Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Reverend Paul John Roach. So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas on Fall Equinox 2020. And uh, glad you're here with us. Today, I welcome to the show Hirsch Wilson, as well as being a storyteller, a former dancer, and also a leadership consultant. He's been a volunteer firefighter and EMT with the Hondo Fire Department in Santa Fe, New Mexico, for over 30 years. Um, As a writer, he has co-written three national business bestsellers. And uh, he also writes a monthly column on dogs from the cent- for the Santa Fe New Mexican. And he is also the author of the book that we're going to look at today. It's entitled Firefighter Zen, A Field Guide to Thriving in Tough Times. So it's a pleasure to welcome Hirsch Wilson to today's show. Welcome. Glad you're with us. Thank you so much for having me. Like everybody else, it is just a joy to be able to talk to other humans. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about the, the how apropos the, the title of the book is, right? Uh, you know, we've got fires out west. We've got floods in the south. We've got COVID-19. We've, we're, we're in the run-up to a, one of the more important elections of our lifetime. And all kinds of stresses, um, you know, going on in our nation and around the world right now. So... Yeah, we need some Zen and, and maybe some firefighter Zen because right. the, the idea, you know, that, and I, I like it, what you say, a field guide to thriving in tough times, right? Because part of the premise of the book is, is not that it's all going to be great when all our problems are solved. They'll never be solved. And you have that famous Zen story about uh, the 86 problems right. and the 87th problem, right? You want to tell us about that? Because I think that sums up a lot of what the book's about. Sure. I, it, it's a great story, and I tell it all the time. And it goes like this. There was this man who um, had a problem, and he, it was such a large problem that he decided to sell all his possessions and go on in search for the answer. So he traveled the world, uh, and you know, he got the months passed, and he began running low on money, and uh, was just seeking this answer, and, and he finally came upon this Zen monk living in a cabin alone. And he knocked on the door and opened the, the, the master opened the door and the man said, I am so glad to finally meet you. And the master stopped him and said, I know why you're here. 
And the man puzzled said, how can you know why I'm here? And the master said, I know you have a problem. And the, master, and the man said, well, how do you know I have a problem? And the master said, because everybody has problems. Everybody has exactly, precisely 86 problems. And every time we solve a problem, the universe gives us one more. So we always have exactly, precisely 86 problems. Well, this crushed the man because he had thought he only had one problem. And to find out that he had 86, he was really demoralized. And uh, the Zen master laughed and said, oh, right, there's an 87th problem. And the 87th problem is believing that you should not have problems. And, and that's the, that's, and the Zen master finishes with having no problems. When you have no problems, that's called death. Because we yeah. are, you know, it's not about, you know, a, a great life is not about having problems. Um, it is about constantly getting up in the morning, solving problems, going, laughing, going to bed, getting up and solving more problems every day. That's our life. That's what life is. And I love that story because we, get, we, we wake up in the morning and say, oh, my God, I have this to do and that to do and this problem and that problem. And all I wish for is to have no problems. And that's a universe that doesn't exist. So once, we, once you hold on to that, then I think we under, have a better chance at happiness. Yeah, and that's the wonderful thing about Zen stories, isn't it? It doesn't matter how many times you've heard them. You know, you chuckle like you did the very first time. I mean, I've heard exactly. that story many, many times and exactly. read it again in your book, but then you, you're retelling of it. It's, it hits you again. It's like the parables of Jesus. You know, you could hear them a thousand times, exactly. but they're still incredibly relevant because they're, they're dealing with the, this strange uh, conundrum, if you like, the paradox of life, you know, which, which is that you can't avoid these things, right? You must, the only way to, to deal with them is to go through them, right? And um, Exactly no such thing as avoidance because eventually you're going to have to exactly have to deal, have to deal exactly with it. that's so true it's so and true a big big part of what you talk about in the book of course which is a big part in my experience of the spiritual path is deal, how to deal with death right now how to approach the idea that we're not going to be here forever right life is impermanent as the buddha said and well all teachers have said that you know, mm. and to be okay with that, right? That and and it's writ large, isn't it, when you're a firefighter, because you're dealing with death uh, on a daily basis, and and it's possible you may deal with your own death. You know, you you reference the um, several hundred firefighters who died, you know, in in the uh, ground zero there, nine eleven. Yes. You know, that courageously went up those stairs, not knowing what was going to happen, and every single one died right which is you know that's devastating I, you know, could, could we be that courageous right exactly and I, I i think and i talk about this in the book that i i don't think people plan to be courageous right they don't plan for a heroic moment right. what happens is that life reaches out and asks them are you brave right they ask them are you brave in this moment um and then we answer, and I think a couple things. I think that uh, we are naturally, and this is a deep belief I have, we are naturally uh, brave, right? We are, uh, we, as human beings, in order to, 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 to get to where we are today, our ancestors had to be extraordinarily brave. Uh, and, and my daughter just introduced me to the, the Polynesians who sailed from Indonesia and, and, and to all those islands. Uh, and, you know, they sailed into the unknown, right? Um, 
to find the islands, to find Hawaii, and to find uh, the Polynesian chain, chain of islands. And I think I think about those. Those are our ancestors, right? They were extraordinarily brave, and we are as brave as they are. Sometimes because our culture and our civilization doesn't reinforce braveness, it reinforces comfort more than braveness, right? Be comfortable, mm -hmm. have lots of material things. Um, that's the path to happiness. It isn't. But uh, deep down inside, we're, we're brave. And we just have to rediscover our courage sometimes. Uh, and, and then when that moment comes, you'll find out you know, that you, you are very brave. You know, in the book, you, the, a, young, a younger firefighter comes to you and says, you know, is, is courage or bravery, you know, inbuilt or is it learned? And, and you said to him, you know, it's learned. But what, what you're saying is you're learning to let it out, really, right? It's not, exactly. it's not that it wasn't there. It's, exactly. it's just you have to learn to allow it to be present, I think, you know, to have, to have the courage to, to live from it. Because so many of us, uh, you know, for one reason or another, you know, we don't, we don't think we have the ability to do that. And that's another thing you mentioned in the book is, is the incremental steps in, in, in the way we deal with life, right? It's, it's or deal with the, the, the situation like a, like a fire or a, a trauma or whatever. Um, you, you, if you're overwhelmed by it, if you let your mind become, you know, totally um, distraught as a result, then you're not going to be a very good firefighter or a very good human being, right? You have to take it a step at a time. And I love the idea of the hula hoop idea, the, the concept. So tell us about that. Sure. So as a firefighter, um, when you go to instant command uh, school, and, and instant commander is the one who is responsible for the entire scene. And it's quite analogous to, you know, we're, we're in charge of our lives. Um, so what they teach you to do, uh, they'll simulate an emergency, a, a, a structure fire, a bad car accident, and they put a hula hoop down on the ground. And as the incident commander, you have to stand inside that hula hoop, no matter who's yelling at you, no matter what's going on with the fire, or no matter who's hurt. And the reason is that we need to, as firefighters or the incident commander, we need to see the entire scene. We need right. to know what's really going on instead of just reacting and going to the loudest voice. Um, the story I use, which has happened innumerable times to firefighters, is we respond to a car accident in the snow and if we just run towards the car that we see we might miss the tracks of another vehicle that went off the cliff right so we need to take the time take the few seconds to stand inside the hula hoop see the entire scene and understand what the true problem is and what's really going on um and that's a discipline it's you know we're um uh, we're we're we live in such a uh fast society where Thoughtfulness and reflection are not really reinforced, but uh, reflection and thought and kind of understanding where we are probably the, the most important thing we can do, especially right now. I mean, this is a great opportunity um, to kind of reflect on who we are, why we're here, uh, and kind of ask those big questions. Right. Yeah. And some people balk at that idea, you know, mm -hmm. that they, they have to be cocooned within a hula hoop because they think, well, I need to get engaged. I, I got to be involved. Well, it's a both end, right? You can be involved more Absolutely. effectively if you have to have that calm center. And in unity, we would, you know, call it the silence or, you know, the still point within the, the heart of us, you know, where Absolutely. where we yeah. make connection with, with that consciousness that you're talking yep. about. And then you can go forward and, and, you know, hopefully be helpful. 
Yep, um, yep. Well, actually, Robbie Burns, the great Scottish poet, said the the best laid plans of mice and men oft oft gang aglay. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, you talk about this a lot. You know, the plans are only good so far, right? And that. There's another great quote in the book, actually, from Mike Tyson, the great boxer. He said, uh, everybody, I love this one, actually. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Right. I love it. Right. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. Punched in the mouth by Mike. Right. Uh, but li life is a little bit like that sometimes. Um, yes. Yeah. And all the time, maybe, uh, you know, there's, there's always somebody. And there's, it, you call it the glitch, right? They, they don't yes. Have a lot it's the, there's a glitch in the, in the, in the pattern here. Right. Uh, talk about the glitch a little bit. Sure. So um, we all have plans for our lives, right? Um, and uh, even for our, even for the day, uh, you wake up in the morning and you kind of have a plan for what you're going to do today. Uh, and, and your assumption is you're going to fulfill that plan. And we talk about the glitch and the glitch is what happens in real life. And, and the firefighter code, I mean, the tattoo on every firefighter's back is stuff happens, just that stuff happens. Um, and I think the, the pandemic we're going through is a, is a brilliant, un unfortunate example of this. In March, we all had our calendars, right? We all had an idea of what the year was going to be. Right. And March 13th came and everybody threw their calendar away, right? That's the glitch, right? Now, the pandemic is that it's writ large, but on an individual level, that's what happens in life. That's what happens in life. And, the, and although planning is important, what is as important is to be resilient, to be flexible, to be able to roll with the punches, uh, to not be able, not to get uh, paralyzed when life throws you the glitch. Because it will. There's, you know, it's like what every firefighter knows is that everybody will experience trauma everybody's going to, going to grieve and experience tragedy. We just don't know when. And, and part of being prepared for life is open to that understanding and being flexible, uh, having, having a, a, a really grounded purpose in your life so that you are, no matter what happens to you, you're, you're grounded and focused in that. Right, and, and in Unity we would say, you know, where's your focus? Is it outer oriented or? inner oriented if, you, if you're always looking to the outer right, the, right, you'll right, never right fulfill your plans because the outer will never conform to you know what you would like because it does its own thing you know the, the only satisfaction you can come to is to have an inner inner compass if you like an inner guide exactly. that uh, so yeah when things change you can roll with the punches you can exactly. um, deal with it right rather rather yes. than be thrown thrown off completely I mean, it was exactly. my it's my wife's sixtieth birthday on in, in mid March, and we had plans to for a big party and then to go traveling and whatnot. And like you said, you know that that was all off, you know, because yeah, uh, you yeah. Know, it, it wasn't wise to travel and or, or have a party. And but you know that was okay. You know, we 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 said that that's fine. And these things happen. Your whole your whole year is is your birthday, so we'll have fun. You know, whatever we do, and yep. uh, and, and move with it. So. Yeah, uh, in the book, you you don't pay much creed to um, to karma. I noticed uh, you you're not a big proponent of karma, and, no. I, and I think to a degree, you know, it, it, karma's been misinterpreted or, or it's become very simplistic. You know, if you 
if you're a good person, then good things are going to happen to you. If you're a bad person, watch out. But life doesn't necessarily act like that, does it? You know, bad things happen to good people, etc. Um, but Kahneman, I think, in the deeper sense, is is what you're talking about in the book. It's it's the fact that everything, um, you know, ha, ha, there's there's a consequence to everything. So if you're not focused, if you're not in the hula hoop, then things can career out of career out of control, right? Um, that, that, so that's a, a karmic aspect there, you know, that, that everything is interconnected, if you like. That, mm -hmm. And so to be skillfully part of that, you have to, um, be, you know, be aware of what exactly is going on at any given moment, you know, so that you're not taken um, by surprise, if you like. Exactly. I think um, what, and, and part of it is just uh, becoming older, that you realize that, to live a life of intention is is really important. Um, to ask yourself the question at every intersection, what is the bravest thing I can do here? What is the kindest thing I can do here? Um, become really more important. And I think as a, as a firefighter, the, what you learn very quickly is that everybody is suffering to some extent. Uh, everybody has a story. Uh, when you when you kind of rip away the mask and the facade that we all have learned to wear, um, everybody's got something going on, uh, and innumerable calls, nine one one calls, teach you that 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 stuff happens to everybody. That everybody's got something going on, um, and it teaches you that the most important thing to do is I want to be intentional uh, in my interactions with people. Mm -hmm. Right? I want to be. I want. I'm not the bravest. I'm not the smartest uh, firefighter in the world, uh, but I can be kind. I can always be kind. And so that, that is something that I, I take as my intention every day to how can I be kind today? Um, and that's a little off topic, but I think, I think it, it is um, how, you know, when you're kind in the world, I think you get that back to a great extent. Right. There's another great quote in the book from the Dalai Lama, I think. It says, if you... Maybe you remember it better than I do, but if you you know if you want to get along with people, be be compassionate. If you want to be get along with yourself, be compassionate. Right? Basically, exactly. You know, it works. Exactly. It works both ways. Um, exactly. Uh, because probably the, it's the greatest um, the key, if you like, to to living a happy life. I think it's it's a generous stance to life. Right? We're we're open minded. We're we're giving. We're we're not always. Uh, the ego, you know, is always fighting with others and with ourselves. But the the spirit within us is always generous, I think, and, and that's what we want to we want to contact, right? That place of generosity where we can be kind um, without losing face. You know, I mean, I think I've seen people who are overly kind because they're trying to be kind from a, a sort of an expectant uh, ego part of their being, right? And, and they get themselves in all kinds of messes. They get taken advantage of. We're not mm -hmm. talking about that kind of kind. You know, we're, we're talking about sort of a tough love, if you like, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. I, you know, I think it's, I can't control anybody else, right? I am right. not in control. The, the things that I'm, I am not in control of uh, are astronomical in number, right? Um, all I can really control is how I want to be in the world. Um, and I choose to be kind. I don't expect reciprocity from the universe. I don't uh, expect it. I mean, I think growing up Catholic, you were taught that um, you had to do certain things to get into, into heaven. 
Um, you know, and I think that's kind of an external reinforcement. I want to, I want to be kind because it's the right thing to do. I want to be brave because you have to be to live a full life. Um, so it's, it's really more who I want to be than anything else. And I, it takes time to learn that because, um, uh, you know, being a firefighter was an extraordinary, ex is an extraordinary experience in terms of kind of the fundamentals of life. And, and when you realize that people are suffering, when you see all that suffering out there and you're not blind to it because you can't be as a firefighter, you go, oh, my God, the most important thing I can do is to be kind. Right. Yeah. Very good. And the other thing you can do is laugh, right? Because, you know, when you're in traumatic, traumatic, traumatic situations, um, you know, you have to have that developed sense of humor. I know, you know, servicemen and women, you know, often use humor, you know, as a, as a way to release pressure. And uh, I think, that, you know, you described that as well in, in the cadre of the firefighter, that, the, that humor and, and often black humor, if you like, sort of dark humor, is is that essential, right? Because it's that it's almost like a, a valve that allows the, the the pressure to to escape, if you like. Um, and you know, you sometimes you mentioned in the book, you know, you can't really talk. And I think servicemen and women talk about this too. You can't really talk about it to others, right? You know, only with the ones that have gone through it themselves, because other people just don't understand, and they certainly don't understand the, 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 the black humor you might be using, right? Because right. It's, it sounds off color or something. But, uh, but it is necessary, right? Uh, and you've got a whole chapter on it. You know, one of the, one of the, the images is the, um, the incidents is, is a cowboy um, what, kicked by a dead cow, right? That, right. Uh, that, that actually happened. Yes. Tell us about that. Sure. So we got page to a rollover on the interstate. And um, the medical page was cowboy kicked by a dead cow. So, you know, we, we responded in an ambulance and an engine and we're kind of talking to ourselves as, uh, about what what is this? And we get there and um, what had happened was a semi tractor had rolled over with cows in it and some had been killed and others were just grazing on the median. And uh, the accident had happened a while ago and they didn't there wasn't anything medically bad that happened. So they didn't call us until about 45 minutes later. And what had happened was cow, you know, cowboys were pulling some of the dead cattle out of the back of the, tra the tractor, the trailer. And uh, the cows were, had rigor mortis setting in. And one of the, one of the, they pulled the cow off and the cow's legs snapped and hit a cowboy in the ankle and broke his ankle. So uh, we went up and uh, talked to the state police and he was trying to keep a straight face and he's, Said the man was by a dead cow. Um, and so, supporting one 30 year old cowboy uh, with a, a broken ankle caused by a dead cow. And the hospital said, What? <laughs> and we said, Broken ankle, dead cow, you know, we, we'll be there in five minutes. And then another voice got on, a male voice got on and said, Could you confirm that was a dead cow? <laughs> <laughs> and we said, yep, dead cow, five minutes. And I think the, the point is that, that on the fire department, we're not, I mean, there are naturally funny people in the fire department, but in the world, when you step back, it's so absurd. There are so many absurd things going on constantly. Um, and we're just, we're just witness to more of them. Uh, and it's, it is, it is the combination that life is tragic, but it's also absurd and funny. 
And I think I think you have to realize that in order to stay sane. Um, we always I often talk about humor as the anecdote to tragedy, uh, and and even the, in the deepest and some of the darkest things we see, um, we'll come back, and the, and the way we comfort each other, and the way we keep our perspective is uh, with humor. Um, and and again, I think what you said is really important. It's not humor you share. I don't I, I think think it's we keep it in the brother and sisterhood. And that's the same with the military. That's the same with medical staff at the hospital. Um, but it's it's what we need to do to stay to stay really sane. Another thing you mentioned is, you know, the, the sort of the mantra, it's not my emergency. Um, and that doesn't mean that I'm not involved, right? That I, I'm not care. I don't care. I'm not trying to be kind and involved. I am. But but I don't need to let it overwhelm me. You know, it's it's not happening to me. It, it's happening to these people I'm trying to help. And I think that's an antidote. I know as a minister, you know, I, I felt that myself mm. the same mm. way because, you know, exactly. you, you, you have to have some sense that you're there to help and you can't help if you're, you know, in just as much trauma as the people you're trying to help. So, so the, yeah, it, it's salutary to remember it's not, it's not my emergency. And actually in, in, on the spiritual path, you know, so many things that we, we, our egos, our humanness take for emergencies that aren't really ours to own, right? Um, right? We can stay calm even in the midst of the terrible things that are happening. And some people look at us and say, well, what's wrong with you? You're not feeling anything. But, you know, but you're, you're, you're contacting a deep space within you, I think, where you could deal with it in a way that your, your ordinary humanness couldn't. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think... Um... One of the things you have to learn when you're a first responder or a doctor or a nurse in the hospital is you have to learn to be tough. There are times we have to be tough and detached to do the work, right? right. Uh, and I, I think it's a double-edged sword, and I want to be very careful here because um, I don't want to give off the impression that we kind of we can tough through this stuff all our lives. Um, there's an emotional cost, uh, and we need to be able to deal with that. But in the moment, it's you know being tough, being present, um, being a little detached is what we need to be in order to in order to help people. And then we need to have the skills, and, and we do a bad job of this on the on the fire service. And I would say we do a bad job of this in general, is that we need to have the skills uh, and the ability to deal with trauma, the emotional impact of trauma, the emotional impact of grief um, going on. And I think right now during a pandemic. I heard this wonderful phrase about um, grief is like having a raven on your shoulder. Um, and that's kind of where we are now. Okay, here the we're at the break. Uh, let's talk about the raven when we come sure. back. Perfect. Um, I'm Hurst Wilson. We'll be joining again in three minutes after these messages from Unity. Join us then. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Reverend Paul John Roach. All right, welcome back to today's show. I'm with Hirsch Wilson. We're talking about his book, Firefighter Zan. A field guide to thriving in tough times. 
It's produced by the excellent New World Library and, uh, as always, can be found in the usual outlets. Uh, if you want to find out more about Hearst, you can go to his website. It's uh, HearstWilson, H-E-R-S-C-H, HearstWilson.com, and find out more. I encourage you to read it if you're at all interested in um, spirituality and how uh, to make spirituality practical in your life. And if you want to become a firefighter, then it should be a definite reading. But not all of us are going to become firefighters. But we are putting out the fires in our own lives, folks, on a daily basis. And so this book is eminently uh, practical for that purpose. Um, there's a couple of incidents in the book that stood out to me, you know, as being extremely difficult to deal with. One was a uh, a, a truck that had crossed the river. It, it didn't. Not, they didn't see that the bridge had been washed out, and they crashed on the other side. And the kids were rescued, but the mom had, uh, had her um, lower belly eviscerated. You know, basically with a seatbelt, and she, she was bleeding to death. And 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 she knew it. You know, like a lot of people do when they're nearing death. It, somehow they knew, and her intent was to know that the children you know were going to be safe and um, she didn't make it through but that that was a tough one and then there was another one uh, where i think a, a trailer a semi trailer had uh, crashed into some motorbikes or whatever and, and there was a beheading of a, of a woman and whatnot and 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 i thought you know that's those are going to be tough to deal with and i know one of your colleagues um Dan in the, in the book, uh, you know, gave up being a firefighter after having, after many years of being one uh, because just couldn't deal with any more. He, he was done, you know. And uh, I think we've all experienced loss and suffering, maybe not so dramatically as that, but we've experienced that. And it's sometimes easy to check out, isn't it? And um, Or we can't check out. We go into depression. Um, we have PTSD, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we know many of our service people, you know, come back from uh, war zones and can never get over some of the things they've seen there. And we have a big problem in our nation with uh, suicide of ex-service men, women, um, and, uh, you know, just the whole idea of PTSD. It, got any advice on that? I mean, well, how, how do we approach that? It's such a huge subject, I know. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think, um, I, you know, we, I come from the point of view that we're all going to experience uh, tragedy. We're all going to experience some sort of trauma. I mean, it's just, it comes with being human. Um, unfortunately, none of us in our culture are really trained or educated uh, on, on how to deal with that. It's just this, it's just kind of the American denial of death and pain, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what I've learned is a couple of things. Um, after a bad call, um, we had a, a you know a really bad call, and it was uh, there were kids involved. Uh, and the next morning, as usual, we got together as a fire department to talk about it. And I think that's the first thing that you'll learn is that um, grieving. You know, we're taught that grieving should you know that that everything is about the individual, that everything is about doing stuff alone. When in fact, I think grieving and suffering is a communal act. It's something we need. We need other people. We are, we are, we are, um, we evolved to be uh, together. So the first, the first thing we learned is that we need to come together. The second thing, we were sitting there in our group, 
and talking and when this old paramedic is kind of grisly old guy who had seen everything he was a veteran from iraq uh, he got up and said you know the next few months are gonna suck and that's that was important for a couple reasons admitted the fact that it's going to be painful right it's going to physically hurt um there we're going to lose sleep um we're 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 going to be irrational we're going to be in pain uh and that is part and parcel of grieving that you can't escape i mean we try we try to stuff it down we can try to stuff it down we can try pretend that's not going to happen but it always comes up but the other important thing he said was it, the next it was just for the next few months right that we will heal we're designed to heal we're designed to get better right we're designed to just like a, a um if you uh, my my favorite analogy is that you watch trees in the forest and you look at trees from a distance and they all look tall and wonderful but when you go up close they have um warps and weaves in them from having to grow around boulders grow on other trees but mm -hmm. they continue to grow they continue to grow and that's how we're designed um, we're, we're designed to heal it doesn't mean and one of the words i don't like is the idea of recovery i don't think because recovery implies that we're going to go back to the way things were the way we were and that's not what happens what happens is uh, we get better we grow we're changed but we incorporate that grief into us uh, and and we move forward so the i think the like if you think about right now i think so many people are grieving we talked about to me this wonderful analogy that grief is having the raven on our shoulder and a lot of us are going through that right now uh and what i teach right now and what i i talk about a lot is that we will get through this we're going to get through this we're going to be okay we're going to be changed but we will get through this and i think being a firefighter have going through so many really traumatic events I, and um, you know my words of wisdom, if you will, are we can get through this. Uh, we can get through this. Uh, we're designed to heal, and we're we're enormously resilient if we just allow ourselves to be. Right. And you know, just because it's not over in a couple of months, you know, it's 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 a great statement to say it's going to suck for the next few months because it's like, yeah, it's bad. You know, we're going to deal with it, but it's going to get a little bit better. But not to beat ourselves up, right? At the end of those few months, when it's still bad, or or it's, it, we feel better, and then it hits us again. You know, that's that's the nature of grief. I think it's it's it changes us forever. You don't get over it. I, you talk about your your sister, I think, who passed when she was six, and um, you know, my sister passed when she was five, and uh, so we went through a similar experience in that regard. And, you know, the journey is interesting because that, that was, you know, 60 some years ago for me. Um, but it's still there, you know. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, at the time, it, it, I dealt with it a certain way as a child, you know, whatever I was, seven years old, deals with it. But, but it's in there, you know, it informs you. And, um, but it doesn't have to inform you and destroy you, right? It can inform you and open you. It can make you more compassionate as a human being, I think, as a as a result of going through that. And and that that's the sort of the gold, the silver lining, if you want, or the 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 blessing that comes with it, right? Yeah. Uh, after after the first murder in the Bible, you know, um, 
God sent a, 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 another man, you know, because God could do these things. It doesn't make right. sense literally, but it makes sense metaphysically. But he sent Seth, and the, and Seth means compensation. And I've always liked that. You know, whenever there's a trauma, whenever there's a tragedy or a death or whatever, you know, spirit in some way sends a compensation. And, and we see this in tragedy, too. We see all the people that gather around to help, you know, when there's a trauma. Because yep. there's always that compensatory power that's that's there, right? We have we have a natural tendency to help, and it, it speaks to what you're talking about. We we can't do it alone. We do it in community, right? The the the, the first thing we want to do when somebody passes is gather to to support. You know, I grew up in in the Celtic tradition, you know, and the the wake idea. You know, the, you gather around the, and and you celebrate the life and. Um, and you do it together because that's the best way to deal with the hurt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think um, if you think of all the great religions, I think a core part of it is that we're here to help and alleviate suffering at some level, right? Um, and, and to dive in and actually do the work, right? Not, not just send money or not just commiserate, but to dive in and I mean, uh, Christ washed the feet of the lepers. He didn't. He didn't stay in the temple and pontificate, right? He dove into the people, uh, and I think firefighting has taught me that that's kind of element in, in a very elemental way. That's who we are, and we have all kinds of messages that tell us not to do that. I mean, I think one of the big struggles we're having today is the struggle between being an individual or being in community, right? And, and it's, it's like, do we have freedom or do we have obligations? And I'm way on the side of we have obligations uh, to each other rather than being kind of like the Lone Ranger and just taking care of myself. Well, unfortunately, we have very divided communities. You know, mm. we have, we have uh, people who identify with one side of the spectrum and then others that they are on the totally other side. And, and you know, we choose off and, and, and it becomes ugly. And, uh, you know, this, I think we have to get over this in America. You know, we, we are all uh, part of this nation, right? We're, we're not yep. divided in reality. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, what you mentioned on, in the, 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 the fire department, you know, you, you have anarchists, socialists, um, right-wing, uh, <laughs> right. you know, whatever, everybody, right. um, you know, yeah. and, and yet everybody wants to help. And that's beautiful to me because that's, that's where we come together, you know, I, Remember Don Cupid? He was a bishop in in Britain, and um, he, he made a statement years ago, and I've used it many times. It's that I like it. It's still apropos. He says so we can we can differ in theory and agree in practice, and I think that's so true. You know, when when you're yeah. helping somebody, it doesn't really matter what you believe, does it? You know, you're there to help, and and that, that's that's greater than any uh, idea, you, any any concept you might have in your head, right? And, and so we find that commonality there in that difficulty. So that, that's huge, I think. Right. I think one of my favorite, in the midst of all this, um, one of the favorite lines I remember is that um, different religions are different poems of the same experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when, when you get down to the kind of the core elements of, of what I consider healthy religions, it's all about... Uh, the alleviating suffering, doing the work of God, 
through action um, rather than just kind of taking it internally. I mean, I think you have to have an internal piece. You have to have that deep sense of purpose, but then we have to act in a way that alleviates suffering. And that's what the fire department has taught me. There's also such a thing as, as compassion fatigue, and I think that's important for people too. Yes. You went you went through it, and you know, so going through the motions instead of being present, um, but you came through the other side. And I think it's helpful for people, you know, that are dealing, yep. that feel overwhelmed. So tell us about that. How does that work? What is compassion fatigue? Sure. Um, we went through a couple of years of really bad calls. Uh, that were just tragic and uh, they had a long-term effect on me. And um, and my symptom was I stopped caring about anything. Um, I had what we call compassion fatigue where, where and, and it would play out in, in such weird ways. Um, I had to take my cues about what was going on, my emotional cues from other people. So if my wife, Lori, who was also a firefighter, if she was upset or sad, I would say, oh, it's time to be upset or sad because I felt nothing. I was just mm. numb. Um, and once uh, a couple of us were having dinner uh, and it was uh, two paramedic friends of mine and a civilian couple. And we were talking about this bike accident that had happened where uh, a friend of theirs had actually been killed and hit by a train. And they were grieving and mourning. And the three of us were just talking about whether it was an attempted suicide what was the mechanism of injury? And they just looked at us like we were crazy. And my sister, who was also a paramedic, just looked at us and said, compassion fatigue, compassion fatigue, compassion fatigue, get out of here. Um, and, and that's when I kind of woke up the fact that, that this, something was wrong with me. There was, you know, that I had this, this, you know, this uh, after effect of trauma that was showing up and not being able to interact or be compassionate with people. Right. And then I talked to my friend, a friend of mine who's kind of been my rabbi for a long time. Uh, and he said, what you need to do is, uh, is act as if you care, and eventually the caring will come back. Um, and my dad used to say it a different way. My dad used to, you know, used to say, fake it until you make it, right? And, and so what I did was that. I would just say, okay, I know I have an issue. I know I have a problem. I know I'm not, I don't care about anybody. But what I'm going to do is fake it. So... You know, I just continued to go to calls. I acted as if I cared. And eventually the caring came back and the compassion came back. So, but it took time. It took time. Right. Um, you mentioned earlier about recovery too, and I wanted to mention then, but I didn't. But, uh, you know, many uh, you know, recovery movements, you know, say alcoholics, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, refer to it as uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, not I'm recovered alcoholic. And, exactly. and I think that's an important distinction, right? That yes. uh, it's it's a process and you're, not, you're never through it. And if you think, oh, well, I'm, I'm all healed now, I never will go right. back to that, you know, fool, you know, uh, just yeah. as, with, as with grief, you know, you're not over it now and then you don't have to deal with it. As long as you're alive on this planet, you know, you're dealing with it. And uh, But that's healthy because it's acknowledging that that's part of the, the, the mix that makes you a rich person, right? That makes you a very uh, valuable part of, an important part of, of what's going on on this planet. Absolutely. Right. I, I, and I think it goes to the point that it's it's like wishing you don't have problems. It's like wishing you don't have pain. Right. Well, you just, it just doesn't work that way. And the, the more mature, more authentic position is to understand that you will have pain, you will grieve, you'll carry those through your life, 
and you need you need um, all sorts of mechanisms to deal with that right. spiritual, physical, emotional to deal with that fact and to ignore it and deny it just gets you into trouble. And we've had on the fire service, of course, because it's been predominantly male is an old culture and we've been taught for generations to stuff it down, uh, fake it, don't right. don't be emotional. And that doesn't work. And we know that doesn't work. There's all kinds of science around that now. So we kind of have to join the 21st century and, and have ways to deal with trauma and the ways to deal with with uh, pain, emotional pain um, that in other generations we were just told not to ignore. And you can't. Right. And it's not a sign of weakness. You know, I think that's that's a big totally. part of it, Absolutely. you know, especially for for men who have grown up in that way. You know, I, I got to be tough at all times. And if I'm not, you know, then I'm a wimp and I'm a failure. And, Right. And the, the idea that you can actually feel and then and, and have difficulty and cry or whatever is OK. You know, it, yep. it's, uh, but that's a hard lesson if you've been brought up, you know, not to not to do that. And uh, right. Yeah. And, 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 I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think yeah, it's, it's always important to be tough. You don't get through life without learning how to be tough. Right. right? But you can also be compassionate. You can also take care of yourself. You can also. Uh, have an emotional side. They're not neutral. And that's the trap we fall into, uh, especially men. I mean, they fall into the trap that to be a man means to be tough and not feel. And that's just wrong on so many levels. But that's what we're taught. You know, there's a quote. If I could choose one quote from Jesus, you know, and that's a hard, that's a hard one to do because he's got so many good ones. But I think it would be the, the line, you know, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Um, because to me, that sums it all up, you know, mm -hmm. to be wise as a servant means to be tough, means to be nobody's fool, you know, to, to have your head screwed on right kind of thing. Uh, right. And yet to be innocent as a dove also means to be kind, to be open and uh, caring and, and, you know, tender. So it's tough and tender at the same time. And I, I just think he summed it up so beautifully in that regard, you know. Of the earth, because the uh, you know the snake crawls on the earth, but of, of the sky also, because the dove you know flies in the sky. So it's marrying those two parts of ourselves together. You know, it, it's it's been a hallmark for me. You know, if I remember to be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove, I'm, I'm getting there. You know, I'm doing I'm 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 embodying something that's helpful, and um, so that's yeah. always worked for me. So in the last chapter, um, you have uh, you sum it all up. You know, be brave. We talked about that. Uh, be kind. Uh, be useful. Um, and I like that. You know, uh, unity. We call ourselves practical spirituality. You know, it was founded as a a way of life. You know, not just a nice thing on Sunday, but something that mm -hmm. you can practice in the week. Mm -hmm. I think this is so important, right? It's is it useful? How can I be useful here? How can I help, right? I think that's the phrase that you often use in yeah. the book. Right? Yeah. How, how can I help you? Yeah, that, I, that works I, yeah. on all levels, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I think, and, and part of it, it's not. It again, it's not an either or thing. Um, we we tend to believe in sometimes spiritual. It's being spiritual means uh, focusing internally, right? Um, and uh, whether it's a meditation practice, practice or a yoga practice. Um, but it's but what's missing often is that being engaged in the world, being useful, right, helping others. Uh, and on the fire service, I always talk about 
um, being useful doesn't mean that you're the one breaking down the doors to go in and save somebody. Being useful can mean turning on a hydrant. Being useful can mean connecting hoses. Somehow, uh, uh, it's, it's this need and this urge to want to help people, to want to be part of the solution um, in little ways sometimes. Uh, and as we get older, as you know, as an older firefighter, I find out that I'm not the one who can run up three flights of stairs carrying 60 pounds of hoses anymore. But there's always something to do. There's always something on the fire ground uh, that I can do that, that, that's useful. And it's the same in our lives. We should never give up the pursuit to be useful. I have a friend who joined the fire department when he was 65. Um, and he had, been, he, had, he had joined the Red Cross to begin with, and he found that to be pretty boring. So he quit that and joined the fire department, right? Um, and we did, and I remember once when he was learning how to run an engine for the first time and he's during a training and he just stopped and yelled out, this is the best job ever. And, and I think it was, uh, it was that sense of being, of doing something important, of being useful, of mm -hmm. being there. Uh, and he took, he would take me, um, we would help go rebuild churches in, in northern, in rural northern New Mexico or help clean them out. And just that sense of doing things that are important and useful is really important. And I think one of the, the you know, we talk about deaths of despair now, right, especially in the middle part of our country. And part of that is that people have been stripped of their ability to be useful, to be able to contribute. It's such a fundamental important thing as a human being to be part of something and to be helping and to be, and that's why I wrote that chapter to that it's important to be useful. Mm -hmm. Very good. And, and therefore to belong, right? Because if and you're useful, you're not, you're not in your own little shell or cocoon, you're exactly. reaching out. And, and folks, we can do this even though we're, we're in COVID-19 shut down to a degree. You know, we can still reach out in various ways. Where I, I know a lot of people reach out on Zoom, whatever. Um, there are ways still to be useful. And you just have to be creative in finding in finding those ways. And some, sometimes, as Milton said, they also serve who only stand and wait. And, uh, you know, sometimes just holding space is important. Um, just, just being centered. Uh, can can make a difference. Um, I'm going to tell folks about next week's show, but then when I've done that, I'd like to ask you, Hirsch, just to sum all this up in a few words that you think could be inspirational for people as they as they go into their week. Sure. All right. So next week, folks, uh, I talk to a pediatrician and transgender activist, Korea Azuri. Uh, about her book, it's called Found in Transition, A Mother's Evolution During Her Child's Gender Change. So that's an interesting subject and uh, an important subject also, um, especially today where we've got so many different views around that. So I'm looking forward to, to interviewing uh, Paria Hazuri about that. And that's next week. But right now, we've got just a couple of minutes left for... Uh, Hirsch to impart the deepest Zen wisdom that he knows for us. <laughs> I would keep it very simple um, that uh, if we look at today, <clears throat> what we're going through, that we will get through that. We're tough, um, uh, we're creative, we're resilient, and we will make it through what we're going through. Uh, and I think what we need to do is take some time to reflect and find our kind of true spirit, our inner self, and trust that inner voice. 
um, and we will make it through what we're going through. Uh, and it's it's important, it's hugely important to participate, uh, to be helping others, to serve others, and to be useful. And if we can do those things, we'll get through this intact. So what's next for you? You're no longer doing the firefighter thing, right? You've got this well, book come out. What, yeah. what, what, what else is happening? Well, I'm still technically a firefighter. I'm on furlough because of the pandemic. No, uh, I see. So I, I hope to get back to it as, as soon as ah, it's all over. Okay. But, but right. uh, writing and, and talking about these issues is kind of my core purpose right now. Right. And we mentioned uh, your website. Is there anything else you need to tell us about how to get in touch with you? That's it. I'm on Facebook at uh, Hirsch Wilson Author. Okay. Uh, you can contact me at my email, which is hirsch.wilson at mac.com. Okay. And folks, this is a very good book. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's real, I would say. Uh, there's a lot of books that are, uh, you know, there's some fluff in them and everything. But, the, but this is very real. It's, it's, it tells real stories of what happens uh, as you're, you're doing your firefighter thing. Um, but also always underpinned with uh, with some wisdom here and and something helpful. And, he, and many of the chapters have field notes, uh, which he calls uh, field notes, which is um, guides to check out, you know, how you're approaching a certain thing, a certain topic. And uh, and they're very helpful. They're very practical. So um, I encourage you to get the book. Um, I, somebody wrote at the top on a blog that says, full of the bittersweet wisdom of hard experience. And I think that sums it up. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in today to this voice of an awakening world. Thanks for tuning into world spirituality. Be safe. And thank you, Hirsch, for this wonderful time together. Thank you, Paul. All right. Bye-bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.